We're going to be looking, there's a lot of scriptures today, not my normal way of preaching, but it's how it came out. So I have, you might need to share some of these, uh, I think I have about seven, so maybe I'll share and see it. And if you don't have, you might want to use like a black Bible in the back there. And since this also has my summary statement, if you want to stick through the rest of the time, I guess you have to get the final final say. Let's say. I'm Bob Nelson, and so can you hear me through the speaker? Okay. I'm a member of the church here, and it is my privilege to be in God's Word to us. I'm going to take my mask down so I think you can hear me better. I need that so I can hear you better. Our topic today is forgiveness. Forgive our debts, please. That's what... uh, is, is related to the Lord's Prayer, right? Um, and I'm hoping that as we focus today on part of the Lord's Prayer, that it might be a mirror for us to see ourselves walking with our Lord, walking in the loving care of our Heavenly Father, desiring His will to be done on earth, and perhaps seeing some new ways today that we can be pleasing in His sight. If that happens, um, my, my goal would be accomplished. I'd like to start by having a discussion on the topic of forgiveness, the word forgiveness. What were you taught about forgiveness? What were you taught about forgiveness? That when somebody says, I'm sorry, you're supposed to say, I forgive you. Okay. Yeah. When somebody says, I'm sorry, you should say, I forgive you. What else were you taught? Or were you? Maybe it never came up in your family. To believe that their apology is authentic. You what? To believe that their apology. To believe that their apology was authentic. Mm -hmm. Good. Well, we should. Not only if somebody. That that we should ask forgiveness of people if we've done wrong. Okay. Be willing to admit. When we make a mistake, yeah. I think is another thing we're taught. If you're done wrong, be willing to say, forgive me. <coughs> How about maybe we'll just modify it a little bit. Um, when I thought about how often is that word used around us, not just our family, but in general, can you think of any examples when you've heard the word forgive or forgiveness used? 
mean like in our everyday conversations? Yeah, yeah in, in our society. Student loan forgiveness. Student loan forgiveness, right. Praise uh, forgive and forget. Forgive and forget, yeah. Okay. Good. I know my kids are always telling me, they say, I forgive you, ma'am. Because, um, like, with our, my relationship with my kids, it's um, very much to a, like adults now. And I do wrong too sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was thinking in the terms of financial, like you mentioned, uh, Vince, that sometimes uh, a politician will say there is going to be a forgiveness of su such and such obligation taxes. Uh, vote for me. <laughs> or, um, uh, yeah, actually, Jane and I, when we were married, her father basically forgave her loan payments, so we no, no longer had to finish paying off uh, the loan on her car. So I think family situations, that maybe happens of forgiving remaining debts uh, when you see that. Uh, I thought <coughs> the, there has been, I think, some Canadian government leaders and even the Pope that spoke <coughs> publicly to the First Nations people saying forgive us for the kind of uh, bad things that we've done to some of your kids in orphanages in the past. Um, for me, the, the probably the, the time that came uh, most home for me was uh, not too many weeks ago. I really blew up at Jane, and most of you don't think of me as blowing up, but uh, she, I did, and uh, I felt bad as soon as I did it, so after a little while, I had to go and say, I'm sorry, forgive me. Uh, I really should not have said that. Um, so we feel it. Then what does the New Testament mean when it uses it? Sometimes it means cancellation of a debt. There are some parables in which uh, Jesus talked about a man owed a lot of money, and his boss said, I forgive you the debt. And then he found somebody else that owed him money, and he said, no, I'm not going to forgive. And so that was a, a situation where the word was used for finances. But I did a search, an English a search on English Bible, but using the uh, the Greek word of that is translated forgive in the New Testament. And I was very surprised at how many times it's used and maybe only, I don't know, 20% max were used in relation to it's being translated forgive either a debt or a sin. All of these other times, it was used in the sense of to let go, or to, to just let them be, or let, leave them behind, or something like that. Uh, <clears throat> a couple of the times, it said that the disciples brought their ships, their, their boats ashore, and uh, they forgave everything. No, it's translated, they left everything and follow Jesus. But the idea of giving up and letting go. Uh, another time the same word is used of a fever, quote-unquote forgiving, a girl, 
who was sick. Now, the fever at Jesus' command left the girl, let her go, and didn't hang on to her anymore. Uh, and similarly, when Jesus was going up to a sick room where a girl had, had died, it says that in English, he, he, uh, he only allowed like two of his disciples, maybe in the parents, to go with him. It says he only, he, he forgave, he let go those people and said, basically, no, I'm, I'm not including you in going into this room. Uh, in the, the end times, it says that like uh, two people will be working in the field. One will be taken away and the other one will be forgiven. No, it will be left be, it will let go. And I, I thought in terms of uh, the song in Frozen, right? Let it go, let it go, let it go. My, my memory, though, of that song, and, and forgive me if I'm wrong, is that, that she's not, not saying, I let it go, I forgive, in the sense that it's best for the other person as much as it's best for me. I'm, I'm going to go my own way. So it's not necessarily a good... Thing, but but that concept of letting go really helped me as I was preparing this sermon because I had done um, I had done this search on what are we supposed to forget, and as you who are familiar with Christianity know, there's a couple of different versions of the Lord's Prayer. And so when you're in a group and you're doing the Lord's Prayer together, you come to that place and there's this kind of little pause to find out who are the leaders among this group. Are they going to say, trespass, forgive our trespasses? Or are they going to say, forgive our sins? Or are they going to say, forgive our, yeah. our debts, right? Um, it comes out of the fact that, that in the Bible there are different words that are used in Matthew and in, in uh, Luke versions. And uh, I think it was Tischendorf that in his first uh, English Bible decided to use the word trespasses, which really didn't fit. But, I mean, it fits in in the meanings of it, but uh, the Anglican Church and some others really adopted his and never left, left that version, even though their Bibles don't say, forgive us our, our trespasses. Um, I I did a little online search about why we should forgive other people. And this is an interesting one here. <clears throat> Psychology Today says, here's some reasons why you should forgive. When you forgive someone, you forgive yourself. Forgiving gets you out of victim mode. Forgiveness frees you. Forgiveness helps your health. Forgiveness helps you move forward to your, in your spiritual path. And similarly, Mayo Clinic has a list of reasons why you should forgive. It says it results in healthier relationships, improved mental health, less anxiety, stress, and hostility, lower blood pressure, fewer symptoms of depression, stronger immune systems, improved heart health, and improved self-esteem. And uh, I would feel funny taking this to God and saying, God, you really ought to forgive me because you'll have healthier relationships 
You'll have better mental health, God. You'll have less anxiety, stress, or hostility. And God, your blood pressure will be lower. And you'll have a better immune system. You'll have fewer system symptoms of depression, God. And most of all, you'll not only have an improved heart health, you have better self-esteem, Lord. <laughs> Why? It just doesn't fit, does it? You know, when we think about our reasons for forgiving, and they didn't bring the one that's the reason that's given to us in in the Bible of forgive, forgive me, Lord, as I'm forgiving other people. I'm forgiving them because you do it. Your example, your pure love, is giving me a motivation. And uh, I'm doing it to the people, Lord. Um, let's deal with some of that confusion about the Lord's Prayer. It should not be a meaningless repetition. I think we all know that. Uh, some churches use it more formally every time. Some, a lot of us Protestant churches say, no, we don't want it to become rote. So we don't use it, uh, but sometimes we use it in formal occasions. I was in an ecumenical group in prison ministry down in uh, Max Security in uh, Pontiac, and our group, all whenever we would meet, we always used the Lord's Prayer, and usually we used trespasses. <laughs> it was a uniting factor. It was really a beautiful thing for us to be able to combine as different. Protestant Catholics, we're doing this ministry for you, Lord, and what a perfect prayer that, that combined our hearts together as we went to minister to those prisoners. <clears throat> uh, today, I'd like it to be a mirror. When I do it, I try to say it every morning, uh, and I try to make sure it doesn't become just rote, and I try to think, especially about this particular phrase, Lord, what would it be? And this sermon helped me because normally I would say it, my trespasses, and I couldn't think of too many trespasses. But this sermon helped me. The multiple words may seem to make it awkward a little bit, but it also helps us have a better understanding of, of obedience. You know, forgive us our debts. Our debts can be financial debts, yeah. Um, maybe you promised uh, some kind of a thing you were going to offer to the church and you haven't done it. <laughs> so I would say, go give it, you know. But if needed, if you can't pay anymore, ask God to forgive it. Um, in general, though, forgive the debts of our moral obligations. And I think that will maybe uh, touch us a little bit later. Uh, in case I forget, one of the things that the word debt is used is an indebtedness and I like it in that parable where it talks about <clears throat> Jesus said that um, uh, a man is working for his, his master, his boss. And the boss comes home and he doesn't say, you know, go ahead and feed yourself and then feed me. But rather the context is the man is doing, it says what he, he himself says to the master, you know, I've only done what I was indebted to do. I only do what I ought to. So that idea of our duty as Christians, of just living a Christian life, following Christ, is in a sense of debt. 
And sometimes we fall and mess up on that. Trespasses, crossing boundaries, going where we're not supposed to go. And in that sense, I think what comes to my mind would be like, especially care. We're going to get into that later. God promised to care for us. How often do we think we should care for ourselves instead? And then uh, in some, some uh, Luke, I think it says, forgive us our sins. Well, sins mean sins. Basically, just offenses. Ways that we, that we offend God. And then most generic of all <coughs> is... Uh, Mark 11.25. If you have a black Bible, it's on page 847. And I'll just read it. Jesus is saying, when you, Whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also, who is in heaven, may forgive your trespasses. So he goes, he ends up with the word trespasses, but that first phrase is as generic as it gets. What are you supposed to forgive? Anything against anyone. Somebody has, has offended you, hurt you, you are wrong, whatever it is, Jesus says. Anything against anyone, forgive. So that your Father also in heaven may forgive you just the same type of thought as we have in the Lord's Prayer. <clears throat> I would like us to read the Lord's Prayer together and let's read Matthew 6 9 to 15 together. And it's on page 811. So I'm going to, uh, I'm gonna, uh, the paper I gave you, that's a bunch of uh, scriptures, so we're going to be, I'll be reading most of them, you don't have to, but I wanted you to be able to use this as a reference later on, uh, going back. So, Matthew 6, 9 to 15, yeah, let's read it together. Pray then like, like this, our, our Father, Father in heaven. heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I want to listen as I read beyond that. For if, notice it was, it used the word debts there. For if you forgive others their debts, no, it says trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So both are used there in, uh, by Matthew. <coughs> Jesus taught us, to taught this prayer to his disciples, uh, later called Christians. 
so I'd like to, to focus just a little bit about some of the meanings and blessings of being a Christian. And I will I'll note the, the passage, so if later on you'll know what it is. I'm going to read, first of all, from Hebrews 9, 13 and 14. It's talking about Christ's sacrifice. His blood sacrifice, one of the results is it purifies our consciences. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with ashes of a heifer, so that's on their physical temple sacrificial system, if that blood sanctifies for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, do what? It will purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Uh, a blessing, a great blessing that we have as Christians. Also, God's spirit leads us as his children. This is the Romans 8 uh, passage, and again I'll read it. If you want to follow along, it's in Romans 8, uh, 14 and following, and that's going to be in page 944 of your Bible. Romans 8, starting with verse 14. For all who are led by whom? By the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you didn't receive the Spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, or Papa, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we're children, we're heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. That idea of a Christian being a child of God, his spirit, how do we know? I just I declare myself a child of God. Now there's more than that. He's, the Holy Spirit is working in our hearts saying, yeah, you're, you're my beloved son, my beloved daughter. Um, hang in there with me during these rough times. Rejoice with me. I'm rejoicing with you in your good times. Another benefit that we have as uh, children is that as God's children, he has bought us away. The idea that the word is redeemed. It's going to be in Galatians 4, uh, verses 3 to 7, uh, page not 974 in the Bible. So listen as I read that. In the same way also, we, we also... When we were children, we were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, like us, born under the law, like the Jews and us in American laws. Purpose, verse 5, to redeem, to buy out, to pay the ransom, to redeem us, from those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. It would be a father's, a clan leader's responsibility to be the one to redeem family members.
Arabs who have gotten themselves sold into slavery, for instance. Um, and our Heavenly Father has done that for us. And he did it through his Son. And beca- again, because your sons, God has sent his Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a slave, then an heir through God. All, I'm, I'm putting these into our hearts to, to strengthen our understanding of ourselves as sons of God, as Christians. So that as we go forth and, and, and study a little bit more about forgiveness, we have this as our background. Uh, in Titus, chapter 3, verses 4 to 7, uh, page 998 in your Bible. Titus 3, 4 to 7. Why would God be doing all this good stuff for us? It says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, which we do. We do a lot of righteousness. But it's not because of our works and righteousness, but because of His own mercy and by the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. He's, he's, he's regenerated who we are, our hearts, our souls, our new people. He's, he's, he's washed us with, by doing that. And he's renewed us with his spirit. And times like this, I hope, are a way that his spirit renews us, encourages our hearts and says, yes, you're mine, and I want you to be living pure and, and, and joyful lives. He poured out his spirit on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior so that being justified by his grace we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Again, this is what really hit me on those earlier things. Why does God forgive us? Why does he save us? Is it so he can... He can uh, have better self-esteem than all the we read earlier. It's just because his abundant love, his overflowing love for us, that he gives us this hope of eternal life. Whatever happens to us in this life. And and we know people have been martyred and been, you know, all kinds of bad stuff have happened and yet they have the hope of eternal life. <coughs> One more. No. We'll go on. So this is our state as Christians. We want now to, to be reminded to move again, to continue as Christians, longing to stay connected, to be renewed over and over again, to be pure, to be genuine, to be clean, to be joyful, uh, to be loving. That's what God, that's the kind of thing God has put in our hearts. Our sins have already been paid for. When we accepted Christ and said, Lord, thank you, you you gave Jesus to die for our sins. I am now putting (coughs) on your side. I'm I'm joining your side. I'm crossing over. I am yielding. I'm submitting. But I'm I'm rooting for you now, God. I'm only yours. When we do that to become a Christian, we are sins. we We are, in a sense, claiming the gift of forgiveness of our sins that Jesus accomplished that one time on the cross for us. 
But of course, you and I know we often fall, right? We need to ask forgiveness again and again. So the Lord's Prayer is appropriate. It's not saying, become a Christian again. It's given to disciples like us who are already Christians, but we mess up, right? Uh, In John chapter 13, uh, verses 8 to 10, 900, maybe I don't need to read this up there. It's kind of a parallel. It's, it's the picture in the Last Supper where Jesus is meeting with his disciples and they're going to celebrate this Passover meal together. And Jesus uh, <coughs> uh, takes on the form of a servant, right? He's going to have the towel. He's going to wash their feet. And when he comes to Peter, the Apostle Peter says to him, you'll never wash my feet. You're, you're the rabbi. I'm the disciple. I should be washing your feet. Jesus answered him, if I don't wash you, you have no share in me, with me. And so good old Simon Peter flips over and says, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed, does not need to wash except for his feet. But he's completely clean. Our bathing in the comparison is when we accept that complete blood forgiveness uh, sacrifice of Jesus for us. The washing, the forgiving in the Lord's prayer is this foot washing kind of a thing. The part of us that's messed up, that's fallen, has has done what we knew was wrong, that's what we need to pray and ask forgiveness for. <coughs> Luke 17, 3, uh, Jesus said, Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in one day, <coughs> And turns to you seven times, saying, I repent. What's your response? Forgive him. I find this, this is a very encouraging verse. If Jesus, the Son of God, is telling us if somebody is messing up against you over and over again and they're sorry over and over again maintain an attitude of forgiveness toward them if he taught us that wouldn't it also follow that our heavenly father has the same attitude toward us if we have some type of addiction or if you have a friend who is a Christian and has an addiction, those things don't just go away. They're going to be hitting you day after day, and you're going to be feeling so bad, and you're going to be feeling like, God, I keep praying this over and over. I fell again yesterday. Oh, I, I don't want to do this thing again today. And then at the end of the day, you did. Whether it's drinking or drugs or whatever the kind of addiction is, wouldn't God, would God be any less patient with us, if we keep coming back, 
So our attitude is, God, I'm, I'm praying that you would forgive me. And not only that, I'm praying for healing. It's just not happening. I don't understand, but I know you don't like this. What a, what a beautiful verse for anyone who is dealing with some type of an addiction. Keep praying. Keep going back. Keep saying, God, forgive me. <clears throat> what kinds of stuff can we ask forgiveness for? Um, anything that offends God, right? <laughs> yeah, anything against someone forgiven. Uh, anything that, 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 in a sense, dirties us spiritually. Anything that is, has become an obstacle for us in trying to do the will of God, as we said earlier in the prayer, you know, your will be done. Oh, man, I can't do this and this, which I knew is your will. Uh, any, any kind of results of our ongoing Christian life, ongoing Christian conflict, spiritual conflict that we have. Um, the example would be where, where I messed up and blew up with Jane. I knew right away that it was wrong. I just, I, she didn't have to tell me, you should ask me for forgiveness. I felt it. And I believe it's the same thing in our relationships with God. That we as his children, we feel it during the times when we've messed up. <clears throat> I'm going to be talking, looking at some verses that are what I would call more of a low level. But there's a verse that <clears throat> struck me in Jeremiah 2. 12 to 13. I want you to really uh, turn to that with me. Um, it's in 628 in the Black Bible. Jeremiah 2, 12 and 13. <clears throat> Be appalled, O heavens, Be shocked, for they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Two evils. Evils. Did you have that sense when you read those words that these were evil things? God offers a fountain of living, moving, fresh water. They or we might forsake that best of all waters provided by our loving God. In contrast, they or we could be digging leaky cisterns in order to save water. We have our water security. Isn't it easy, at least it was for me, to not be shocked when I read that? It took this kind of language in Jeremiah's speaking for God. Where God says, Hey stars, hey heavens, be shocked, be just ter you know. What was the word, first word? Appalled. Look what these people are doing. I'm providing them the best possible care, source of care, fresh 
Every day you care. But they're turning away. They're not coming to me for it. In contrast, they are digging leaky cisterns. They, they want to do it all. I'll do it myself, Lord. You know, like a little kid. <coughs> we think of it wrong, but oh, Heavenly Father, help us be shocked. <coughs> the prophet takes us to the ultimate, eternal source of care. God's care. It's constant, it's pure, it's abundant, it's forever. We know our deepest needs are met there, but sometimes we slice it in the mud of our worry and our stress. And we might, for various reasons, abandon our bottom line trust in God's care. It's not that we don't build our own water systems and our cisterns, but we don't really trust them anything compared to what God we shouldn't anyway <clears throat> sometimes we forget that our strategies of savings of insurance, of investments of the right connections our skill practice all of that kind of stuff are at best temporary and more worse than that they are self motivated security self based Security that's stale with its worry and its stress. These trespasses into God's care realm should be admitted. <clears throat> I'm sorry for forgetting your care, Father. Please forgive me. I'm sorry for trusting my strategies, Father. Forgive me. Those are the kind of two big areas that it's good to be reminded of. Because they, they happen over and over in many, many different minor, specific things. But, but it's God that we need to be going for our trust. So I have some other verses here that are listed on some of those sheets. I'm just going to, uh, to go through them. Yes, pretty good. The main ideas I want is weigh some general ways that we might fall. Uh, in Matthew set or Mark seven, uh, it's stuff that's because it's from our heart. Jesus said, "It's what comes out of a person that defiles us." For from within, from our evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. The point there is that they're not something that something's, they're not, the, the badness is not because it's external, the badness is because it's coming out of your own heart. Uh, any of these things, let's ask God to forgive us. Uh, <clears throat> number two, in Galatians 5, 19 to 21, it's things that, a lot of the similar stuff and here he's relating it to our bodies. He says, now the works of the flesh are evident. The, the, the worldly flesh part of us wants that sexual immorality, the purity, the sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, 
divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. <coughs> Three, things from our past that we have died to in becoming Christian. Colossians 3, 1 and following. If then you have been raised with Christ, which we have, seek things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, because you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, then, what is earthly in you. And a lot of the same things end up getting listed in, that, um, in those pages. In uh, uh, Colossians 3.12-17, here, a lot of the things are things that we desire to do and be, even as Christians. Put on them as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. So these are things that we should do and want to do, but sometimes we fail to do. Kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing all psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The, the part that follows where Jesus says that if you forgive us as we forgive others, and then remember later on he said, if you don't forgive, uh, Christ God will forgive you. It seems like a semi-threat, and I believe it is. But I think that the way it's received is going to reflect our condition. And that uh, if it's received as a semi-threat or a real threat, it's because we're in a rebellious state. And we need that kind of a threat that says, you know, it's kind of like kicking the butt to say, come on. <laughs> you say you're a Christian, show it. Um, otherwise, it comes through to us like an expected reminder that, you know, it's like the alarm goes off. You know, I don't, I don't mind the alarm. It, I expect it to have a reminder it's time to get up, to, time to change. And uh, Jesus is really, really big on the non no no hypocrisy. He didn't like it in the Pharisees. He called them hypocrites. But over and over, also in, in Paul's writings too, you've got to say you're Christians. Live it. Stop pretending. Don't be plastic. Your God is holy, so be holy. Seriously. Um, and it, all the way back, you know, 
I think of uh, Exodus 27. It says, uh, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. If you take the name of God, if you say, I'm a Christian, don't have that be a, a meaningless thing. Live the life that you've chosen. Um, and then there's a bunch of verses I could read, but I don't need to, that, that remind us, just like in the verse, you've been forgiven, forgive others. Um, Colossians 3 talks about it. First uh, John 4 talks about it. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. First uh, Corinthians 6, 9 talks about it. Don't be deceived. The unrighteous are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. They're, they're showing by their actions that they weren't really uh, Christians after all. Um, Galatians 5, same thing. So, the warning. Live it. Stay clean. Keep coming to, to God and say, I messed up. Forgive me. Whatever it is, he wants us over and over to come, keep coming to him. Um, I'll give you all. Summary. Some of our sin is a violation of Deuteronomy 6.5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Sins against God, confess them. If we in pride are loving ourselves, caring for ourselves, our abilities, our worth more than God, confess it. Uh, some of our sins are a violation against uh, Luke, or uh, I think it's Matthew 19. 18 and 19, to love your neighbors yourselves. And what, why don't we do that? To greed, maybe. I want stuff for me, not my neighbor. Our, our sensualities, I want, I want to keep watching this TV show because it, cause it, you know, it, it uh, tickles my interest rather than going out and helping somebody else in a way that I know. Our lusts, our love for ourselves are always things that are are against our neighbors. We need to confess those. We can use the Lord's Prayer as a time to allow the Holy Spirit to show us places we need change. We can ask for forgiveness and then hit that reset button in our relationship with God. Let's pray. Father, there's a lot of verses and stuff that we've read here. And uh, most of all, I just want this to be a time when we are children, uh, are, are reminded of your great love for us, your great care for us, that nothing can compare. Uh, if, if, Lord, there's been some times in our lives uh, the last few days that, that your spirit maybe is convicting us even now, we bring those to you and we say we're sorry. We messed up in whatever that way was. We know that it, it did not honor you and maybe even really displeased you. We come in repentance. We come in faith. We claim 
your loving forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen.